Hello there, everybody. We're going to do a wee coach's Q&A here. Carol brought in lint, what are they called? Lint balls? Lint balls, and we've all got a lint ball and a chocolate, and a chocolate, <laughs> we've got a lint ball and our coffees. Uh, so we're going to be highly caffeinated and sugared to the max. So what we'll do is we'll work through some of the questions that came through on Facebook. Thank you so much for putting them in there. And then a few came in on the email as well. So we'll just go through them. I'll timestamp them afterwards to tell you where your question is but we're going to start off with the first question which was from Michaela and Michaela asked she's always starving in the afternoon and has really low energy so what's a good snack for between lunch and dinner? Callum you've done a blog post on snacking at some point recently uh, what kind of stuff would you recommend here? Uh, I'd probably say if you're starving between lunch and dinner probably eat more at lunch uh, so like for me a lot of people have I think have very, very small lunches. Whereas if you're actually up and busy during the day, I'd probably put more of your calories towards your lunch and actually eat a little bit less for dinner, especially at this time of year where in the current place we find ourselves, we're at dinner, you're probably going to eat maybe five, six, maybe seven and sit in front of a TV or do a little bit of stuff around the house. But I can't imagine it would be too hectic. So probably aim just to put more of your calories towards your lunch. That's probably your best bet. And to be honest, after that, I just think snacking is a personal thing. Like some people, I, I don't, I don't actively feel like the need to snack, but I probably have a lot of smaller meals. Therefore, that's kind of what I would, I would be more in tune to do: have a protein bar or have something that's actually fairly nutritious. Whereas if it's just chocolate, God knows I've eaten a lot of it the last few days. But you know, you eat it and it's just straight away within an hour. I could be hungry or I could feel a bit poor if I excuse the term I was going to use <laughs> and then I'll okay. be like feel that need for a wee bit of a dopamine boost so I go back to chocolate or back to a snack etc so that, that would be my best advice there is, is put a wee bit more of your calories in towards your lunch and especially if you know throw some protein in there throw some veg in that's going to fill you up with good fiber as well uh, so things like a really good super or a, you know is going to keep you a bit more fuller than if it's just a wee wrap with a shred of lettuce and some chicken that's really only about 300 calories and you're not eating anything again till six. At that point, you're going to want something. And I think, like, Calum's making a good point as well. And you could potentially, I wrote in here, like, keep a journal of what you ate. So it's like, say, your, your normal lunches, you can keep a journal of how hungry you are after your lunch in that sort of mid-afternoon time. And like Calum saying, if you prioritise protein and a meal with loads of vegetables, like how hungry do you feel when you eat meals like that? And kind of keep track of that to see what foods suit you best, what time suits you best. And remember, you've got a baby, Michaela, like a small baby who probably requires a lot of energy. So I think it's normal for you to be tired just now. You're probably not sleeping great. And I think that will get better with time. Okay, I hope I helped. Uh, Callum also has a blog post, as I mentioned, about snacking. So check it out on the website uh, and that will give you a bit more information. I hope that helped, Michaela. Uh, so Mina and Karen, I'm actually going to put your uh, your questions together because Karen, you asked the best and worst question I've ever seen in my life. You just wrote recipes <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> so I'm, I'm grouping that in with Mina because right, I know what a recipe is, I know what you're asking, right? But more information uh, so Mina asked for meal ideas she doesn't mind having the same breakfast uh, but ideas for lunch and dinner would be great I think Chef Carol probably sure has something to share here you've always got good grub yeah. great uh, grapes and pork chops <laughs> I would say like what you're saying Mina about eating the same breakfast every single day that like, I tend to be the same with every single meal that I eat 
Um, but I think people tend to overthink a recipe or a meal idea, for example. Mm. It just needs to be a different protein source, like maybe one night you have chicken, the next night you have fish or red meat. It doesn't need to be anything like over the top, like fancy. It's basic food. Um, and it can be as simple as changing one thing on your dinner plate or your lunch plate, and it can make a huge difference. Like chili con carne or chili cheese fries. Yeah. Same or chili lasagna. <laughs> Same meal, but different carbohydrate. And it all, it all depends what your goal is as well. Like, because, like, I think Joe Wicks has kind of got a lot of slack for it because some of the recipes are like a thousand calories, mm-hmm. which isn't great for weight loss, but it's actually a lot of healthy foods. You know what I mean? So, loads of healthy fats in there. And good carbohydrates for training, for example. So if if you're looking at weight loss, it's probably worth keeping it pretty simple, I would say. You agree with that, you think? Yeah. Most of the time, for most of your meals. And then if you're just looking to be healthy, like get as many colourful vegetables as you can on your plate. Like Carol said, keep it simple with your protein sources. Chef, you got anything else? I mean, I would... Uh... <laughs> I know someone called me chef and I liked it too. Uh, I was going to say, I think I'd also ask why are you getting bored of the meals that you eat regularly? And maybe that's a bit of the issue as well. Like, I think a lot of people's mistake they make with healthy food is they think healthy food has to be very bland and has to be very boring. But I mean, pretty much most square meals are fairly decent for you, and it's the stuff with your meals you're going to eat that's going to cause you problems. Mm. So, if you're really diet like deadly bored of the meals you're eating, then maybe just patch them and start thinking about something decent that gets you excited. Like. I, maybe not for myself, but Lewis, I know you love steak. Now you eat steak. You'd happily eat steak every week till the day you die, wouldn't you? Oh, oh, Would you I, ever I, get I will. I will continue <laughs> to eat steak every week till the day I die. In all seriousness, I don't can't ever imagine you coming around to me and saying, Cal, do you have another steak recipe? I'm bored of steak. Uh-huh. So that's a meal that you know you'd happily eat all the time. Mm-hmm. And I think having that, it's the best thing I've done for my breakfast is find something that I'm like, I consciously enjoy eating that. Mm-hmm. And it helps me move towards my goals. Therefore, it's never a pain to make it or eat it. And I would say that's probably a better way to reframe it. You might never find a recipe that keeps you constantly excited. But if you think, hey, I actually quite like curry. Why don't I, you know, why don't I base some of my meals around that? And it's never mm. difficult to make, etc. Or for me, I have a Monday chili. I always make a chili. And it's so easy for me to make. It's not difficult. It moves uh-huh. me towards my goals. And I always enjoy it. Uh-huh. So that'd be my advice there. I, I, think, I think that's a good point as well. Because I, I always make a menu from a week ahead. And sometimes it's like switching up the days that you have. So it's like Monday, we've started having like Monday Bundy. <laughs> <laughs> like so, <laughs> almost too much information. But so it's like, it could be like tofu burgers or beef burgers or chicken burgers. Like, so similar, like same sort of carbohydrate source, but we're just ch- sort of like changing up the protein source, which keeps it interesting. Like Callum could have been having like Mexican Mondays where he has like a fajita or a chili or whatever. I mean, Mexican food's a great example of it. We all, as coaches, we've talked about, or you have heard the term of Mexican food. Is, like, but basically, Mexican food comes down to you have some sauce, some form of protein, you have some form of tortilla, and some form of cheese. And every Mexican meal is that in the same, like, the same thing, but it's just a different variation of it. And that's kind of how, I, how my meals go at the same time. Like, they're always very, very similar, but you just take out little things here and put them here together. That's why you're called chef, because you just gave us like background on proper Mexican food. And I'm sure you've got a Mexican hamper in the house as well. Right, so, we'll, we'll... Thank, thank you, Meg. <laughs> so I hope that answered your questions. 
Uh, Mina and Karen. If not, just like follow up with us. We'll just keep on talking about the Mexican food for as long as you want. But next up, we're going to group Jude and Alex's questions together as well because I think we touch on similar points. So Jude's question is how to tackle takeaway cravings. Got a bad habit of using Deliveroo and would be good to have some hacks or recipes to boost uh, my will or not to have it. And Alex... You asked how to avoid snacks, especially donuts, biscuits. I know not buying them in the first place helps, but how to avoid going into a shop and immediately picking them up? Uh, that's like a very similar question to we ask my jiu-jitsu instructor, like how to get out with a triangle and like don't get triangled in the first place. So I'll, I'll kickstart this one uh, because it kind of relates to a course I've been doing recently. And I think what's important to note for you both like in regards to takeaway take cravings or craving hyper palatable foods high calorie foods is that cravings are like completely normal especially like if you've been through a period of like tough weight loss the analogy I always use is like imagine like you're trying to put like a powerful spring into a shoebox like you're trying to lose weight lose weight and you're putting more pressure more pressure and eventually like, just spring back up and we live in a world like full of donuts like little bakery aisle Oh, like best Sorry. best experience ever, man! It's genuinely dangerous. So it's it's all completely normal to crave these foods, and it's hard to boost your willpower when you're constantly surrounded by these foods all day. So what I would recommend first off, uh, before I pass it on to the troops, is like to ask yourself, like, when are you getting these cravings? So, like, Jude, is it at the weekend that you're getting a takeaway? Is it perhaps because you've had such a busy day at work or like is it when you're at work you crave these takeaway foods just because you've not got the time to prepare your meals beforehand like dive deeper into the problem like ask yourself when when it's happening and then ask yourself like exactly what are you craving like is it going into delivery and scrolling and seeing what you like or is it one specific thing like i ate the same takeaway dish for three or four weeks in a row at nanica's <laughs> best thing this podcast is brought to you by <laughs> <Nanicos. laughs> So ask yourself like the when and then the what first off. And then the next step would be like temporarily removing those foods. Like, you know what I mean? Try your best not to get the takeaway for a couple of weeks. Try your best to avoid the sugar and the donuts for a couple of weeks. Like for a period that's defined by you. And then you can start introducing it back in again. Like perhaps only on Friday nights you get takeaway or only on... I don't know, Saturday you eat donuts or whatever. That seems like a great but dangerous day. So it's like you remove it and then you t- you bring it back in under your rules. And then you just try and accept it afterwards. Like accept the food cravings are always going to be there. You're never going to avoid that. Uh, but you don't have to act on them or be ruled by them. I feel like I, I wrote a lot of notes here. So I'll pass you on. Like, so what do you think to the takeaway cravings and the sugar cravings and all that jazz? Uh, I would say relating back to you, Jude, with the takeaway cravings, kind of similar to the girls looking for recipes because we're all in lockdown and obviously restaurants, uh, cafes are all closed. Like one thing that I've found that I've taken upon myself to do is think about like where you would love to go either for like brunch or dinner like your favourite meal in that restaurant and then just try and make it at home. One, it gets you like experimenting in the kitchen, so that gets you your own recipe. And another thing, it gets you out the house as well to go and explore and look for all the ingredients that you Aye. might need to find rather than just constantly making the same thing. And then it gives you more variety. It means you potentially save money on a takeaway as well 
and it's all done in the comfort of your own home. The only negative is you then need to wash the dishes. You don't just put the takeaway down. <laughs> but I, I think it's there's so many. Like, we are, we are probably not the people to go for, for recipes. You know what I mean? Like Gordon Ramsay is a better chef than Callum. Only just, only just. I
in a massive amount. It's like if I'd done dry January, I'd hate to think how much wine I would sink like in February. Yeah. So it's not even worth the risk for me. Yeah. So if you can if you can keep it into your life, but if kind of what I was touching on, if you can control the variables, like if you can perhaps only have a takeaway on a Friday night, if you can perhaps only have chocolates at, like with your coffee during the day, perhaps. Like, just play about with it, like dive into it a little bit more. But I think that was some good answers yeah. in there. So well done, trips. Okay, so we're going to go on to the ones that came in through emails now. And uh, we have the first question, which is, so a fitness tracker or a smartwatch, what's best for tracking activity? I'm trying to decide. So the way I kind of read this question, uh, and, I, and I've got one of each, which I kind of use, is like a MyZone. Uh, which I would class as like a fitness tracker, and then uh, I don't know if my Fitbit even classes as a smartwatch. It doesn't really do much. I can't like James Bond phone calls or anything like that. But that's the closest I'm on. Uh, what have you? You've got your Myzone. You, you have a Casio. I've got my iPhone. I guess tracks my steps. Uh uh-huh. I, I don't really care for it myself, but just like having like a, a watch that does everything, etc. But I would just make the point of whatever you use. It's just keep using it and use that as the metric. Uh, like yeah, steppers are point. not fallible and heart rate monitors are not fallible. Like they'll make or they're I can't remember. They'll they'll make mistakes, but as long as you're using the same measurement and constantly tracking, it's uh-huh. not so much what it says, it's are you improving on it or are you decreasing on it? Is it staying the same? Uh, it's like scales, they don't need to be perfect because the number doesn't matter. Uh, what really matters is how is the direction? Uh, so you want the same? Do you want to use the same set of skills every time yeah. you weigh yourself? Yeah. Uh, but from a technological standpoint, I can't tell you what's better or what's uh, or worth your money. Uh, well, you've got both, don't you? So you've got yeah. Myzone and uh, I've Apple got Watch. Myzone and an Apple Watch, and when I wear them both at the same time when I'm training, they're basically exactly the same Are in they? terms oh, that's of decent, yeah. like your heart rate, your calorie burn. The mm-hmm. only thing with the Apple Watch it appeases my OCD because it has the activity ring. Oh, aye. so. If you have, like, you can set it to like a certain number of calories a and day. And it's like so how long you stand that. for a day yeah. as well. Right. So, which is quite good because if you're used to working from home just now, like the Apple uh, Watch gives you a notification if you sit down too long. So, yeah. it makes you more conscious about getting up and moving about. But, like Callum said, like none of them are 100% accurate. If you find something that works for you, like some people love a Fitbit because it tells them their step count and they're absolutely fixated on that. Uh-huh. Other people, like my zone on the telly, it's like what colour your heart rate's in. So uh-huh. you just need to find what works for you. And then, like Callum said, stick with it. And over a course of time, you uh-huh. see whether you're progressing or standing still. I said, it depends what you want to use it for, isn't it? Like, so I've been running. A couple of times. Also, people wear garments to run a lot. Like, aye, I don't exactly. know the aye, exactly. I've got no idea what to use for <laughs> that as well. Oh, some clothes. Aye, aye. People wear clothes. I was just expecting people like garments, which are like, like old Victorian, like something a big, like flourished gown and stuff. <laughs> okay, so. In my opinion, it's just like depends on what you're using it for as well. So like, I was gonna when I when I've been running recently, I've been like trying to keep my heart rate in the green zone. So like yeah. my zone has been really helpful for that. But my Fitbit is also super helpful for I love it for my sleep and just an alarm clock on your watch, so you don't need to use your phone to wake up. Yeah. Like I can't believe you used to do it. Is that what you do? You use your phone to wake up? Nah, nah. How do you wake up? I have a I yeah, use my Casio watch and oh. have a. I always have a double alarm clock. Oh, aye. <laughs> That's a rule for life. Aye, so it just depends what you're going to be using it for, uh, how much gadget stuff you want out of it. Uh, but I, I think if I was to go for one out of my Fitbit and my Myzone, I would choose my Myzone. Yeah. 
also for monetary, training. monetary value as well. Like, uh-huh. I'd be how often you're going to use it. Like, we, we are support with my zone. Like, yeah. one of the coaches is always liking your posts. Uh-huh. <laughs> Callum Hunter social media. Callum Hunter, Mr. Social Media. 24 7 eyes on my zone. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's move on. Let's move on. Uh, so, hope that answered your question. We're on to question number two in the emails, uh, which is What's the optimum number of days we should be gymming per week? Should we be mixing up with more hit sessions? Uh, I love this question. Do we then want to start while I dive in first? Just dive in. Okay, so I think I read this in James Clear's book, Atomic Habits, but he talks about the four burners theory, uh, which is so imagine if you imagine you have a stovetop, which is four burners. And you've got your health, your work, your family, and your friends. And then the theory goes something like, like to be su- successful, like you, you really have to give up one. But to be extremely successful, really successful, you have to give up two. It's a game of table football going on, so I do apologise if there's any noise in the background here. <laughs> so it's, I think the optimal number of days really comes down to what else is going on in your life at the moment. Like if once this is all done and we get to see family and friends again, you can bet I'm hardly going to be spending as much, I was going to say, as much time as I'm training now. I'm on a, a lazy bath just now. <laughs> uh, exactly. So like, what, what is your priority in life just now? If you're really busy with work, like, can you really make it into the gym? If you've got a new family, can you really like prioritise work? So it is a tough balancing act. So like, what is your priority just now? If your priority is on health, then you can probably afford to sacrifice perhaps seeing friends and family a little bit now because we actually just can't and you can really push hard on that health so you could do like three four times a week like two or three pt sessions and a hit session like just base it on what's going on in life i'd also make a big point it depends what you're doing in the gym as well and more is not always better so like Mm. a lot of people will have the idea of you know, I need to be in five times. I've not been training, therefore, like I had a bad December, therefore I need to be in six days a week in January, Monday to Saturday and doing doubles here and there. And I would just say that that's, it's for pretty much everyone, a bad idea more than anything. I don't know many humans that really need to train six days a week as well. And I think more quality and less quantity is probably a better way of doing it. Like come in and go, cool, I'm going to smash this. Like, I'm going to make an effort to put weight on a bar when it's safe and sensible. I'm going to try and sprint instead of coasting a wee bit. And I think that's more important. Having said that, the one benefit of training just now is that without when, when we have been able to, there's not much else to do. So sometimes it's been nice from a social and feeling good and seeing human beings kind of position to do a bit more. So I do understand it. But, I mean, th- this year is probably the least hours I've done in a year, like up per week in terms of training, but the quality is so much higher and the benefit to me physically, but probably more mentally and how much I've enjoyed it has been massive. It's really easy to have three heavy days and anything on top of that's a plus, but it's very easy for me to come in because it's three days a week. Uh-huh. Now, for somebody who's, a, who's trained all his life, that's actually not a big ask, but uh-huh. then, therefore I enjoy it and I'm very consistent. I've literally not missed one session since I took this on board uh-huh. in like March. And it gives you more place. time for like in the kitchen as well. Yeah. Like because if your goal's fat loss or muscle gain, like you have to prioritize your food intake as well. So if you spend two hours in the gym and you absolutely break yourself so you're so tired that you order pizza on the way home, like what's the point in that? You're much better doing one good quality hour as Callum said and then prioritizing the rest of your time towards your food. Yeah. 
Jink. I also think as well you should look at like where you're at just now training wise, kind of similar to like mm. off the back of Callum. If you only train twice a week just now, don't come in with high expectations of then going from two times a week to six times a week because you're just going to crash and burn within like a couple of weeks. Yeah. So just add on one extra session a week if your body feels okay, do that for a couple of weeks and then as the weeks go on, if you feel like you're getting more energetic, then you can add on another session. Um, and then in terms of whether you should be doing like more hit sessions or more PT sessions, again, linking into what Galen said, you need to think like what your goals are essentially. And do you want to gain muscle mass or do you want to actually like be more physically fit and lose more weight? Because then that separates the two completely. Because the whole idea with the small group PT is although we are training and you probably will lose fat depending on like what your diet's like outside of the gym, the focus there is more on lifting weights, whereas the hip sessions obviously are more focused on working on your, your heart health and like your cardiovascular side of things. So it's really just and you can't have both. You can't pick strength and cardio and expect to excel in them both. So that you've been trying for years. Yeah, and it really <laughs> <laughs> Right, so we, we only have five minutes left in here, but I think the next two questions kind of feed in perfectly to that anyway. So what's a good form of exercise when not at the gym? I used to run but can't get motivated. We could go into a whole other oh, ball game with motivation um, maybe next time. And then what's good exercise for aiding weight loss? So we were kind of talking about optimum days in the gym before. So when you're not at the gym, like what's good exercise? Just get outside. Aye. Walk. Aye. I'd actively tell most people to not run. Yeah. I know that sounds crazy. If you enjoy it and you're going to enjoy the process and that's going to help you do it, then go for it. But I've never know, seen something that injures so many people. 100%. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and to be honest, like from a health marker perspective, it's not actually like active. A lot of people have this idea if I run, then my heart and lungs are going to be exponentially better. And there's not actually much evidence that tells you that's going to happen if you were doing intense resistance training in a gym. Mm. And then I would make an argument that kind of what you say, like going out walks, you know, one of our favorite, you know, coaches, Dan John talks about rucking, which is like get a very heavy backpack or get some weights and go out. And to be honest, at that point, you're putting a lot less trauma through your joints. If you go at a fast enough pace, if you go up hills, you're probably going to get your heart rate up the same as jogging and you uh-huh. probably won't wake up with the same impact to your muscles, uh-huh. particularly your joints. Uh-huh. And I think... For the second question, that's like, what's good exercise for aiding weight loss? I think even as coaches, we can say like, your food intake is going to be so, so, so important. Like that should probably be where the you're predominantly spending your time and energy. Like just show up in here. Like that's a, that's a great thing about he's coming in here. Just show up. We'll put you through any session, like however you're feeling. But a couple of days strength training, some general activity, maybe some cardio work. And I think that's, and whatever you enjoy is probably the icing on the cake, isn't it? I heard the term recently, exercise for shape, diet for weight. There we go. And Boom. I think it's just a very simple way of thinking of it. Uh, great. Well, uh, we've got two more questions. We've got three minutes, so quick fire. Uh, does following macros aid weight loss? Uh, so I, I just wrote in my notes here, I was going to give like a background of calories and macros, but we could do that another day in a blog post or something, couldn't we? But like... Macros is just a tool in the toolbox, just like Atkins and Slimming World and Paleo and yada, 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 yada. As long as you're following the principles of a calorie deficit, like burning more calories than you're consuming, burning more energy than you're consuming, any sort of tool works. What do you think? 
I don't. I, I just think that unless you are very determined to, like, you're highly motivated to to track them. Don't worry about it. Track uh, calories. And you need to, but even even still, like, if you're tracking calories, you might as well track macros because if you're using my fitness pal, it does all the same for you. But who can? I, I just can't be bored weighing out my food. I hate that man. Would you? You you've tracked consistently. Yeah, I go through phases of like tracking, but I'm now at the point I can't remember who I was speaking to in the gym about this. I'm now at the point where because I always eat the same thing and like the same amounts, I know exactly like what's in every meal. Pretty much. Ah, yeah, so yeah. it only takes however many weeks, months to get into a routine, and then once you've done that, then uh-huh. it becomes second nature, and you can get right. rid of my fitness pal. I think it can be a valuable tool for a couple of weeks, so. Kind of like we were talking about before, like seeing your patterns, like seeing where the high calories are coming from, yeah. like what days you're eating really high calories, like what your sleep's like and how that affects your calories. But like some people do it for ages and that's it. It's just not for me really. It can be a dangerous game. Aye, it definitely can be. Uh, but it is a tool in the toolbox, so use it if you want to. And then final question, uh, supplements, what's useful? So I'll just say what I take. Like I have a whey protein supplement. I take creatine, fish oil and vitamin D. Cal? Pretty much the same. Uh, same multivitamins and then the only other thing I would add in there is if for example I know we've got a lot of vegan slash vegetarians if you're missing something from your diet then add in a supplement for that as Aye. well like iron for example Aye. I think vitamin B is it vitamin B12, B12. Yeah. 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 yeah I think so important just now is vitamin D vitamin yeah. C if, if, we're, if we're talking about coronavirus uh, make sure you get some of that in uh, and sunshine because we exactly (laughs) and you wear so much clothes just now including the big violet body warmer right but on that note we're going to finish that up there Uh, that was our first round of trying this if you enjoyed it please let us know Uh, no doubt my big monotone voice being close to the (laughs) microphone was probably a terrible idea so I do apologise anything to finish off with for the last 30 seconds you want to sing a jingle or anything can I just thank Nanakas for sponsoring (laughs) (laughs) thanks Nanakas goodbye everybody thanks so much (laughs)